Please have your Bible ready with us this evening in 2 Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This morning, I mentioned the joy of becoming a Christian as written in the account of the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. After obeying the gospel, the man from Ethiopia, Luke says, went on his way rejoicing. Now, the joy of being a Christian can keep you, nurture you, and hold you close to the Lord so long as you're faithful to the Lord. Nothing can take that away from you except your choice to walk away from God. Notwithstanding that joy that we can cherish and keep close, there is still earthly reality that we have to face and cope with and process. Trouble here on earth that we have to mentally respond to. As we look around in our society, for example, we are sometimes reminded of what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, the first nine verses. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households, and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. And they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. Now, when you read that, do you think that we live in times of such difficulty as Paul described? Paul and Timothy experienced great upheavals in the society in which they lived and worked. They were persecuted. They saw disorder and alienation from God every day, and we do too. Even if we do not experience the same form of persecution or the violence of persecution in the Roman Empire, we see the very things that Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We see it on the news. We see it in the lives of people that we know. Every day we see love of self and love of money and pride and abuse, disobedience to parents, ingratitude, slander, and absence of self-control. All of this 
we see. People who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And while Paul told Timothy to avoid such people, we cannot avoid the presence of such sin all around us that we have knowledge of. But another question emerges, how do we handle tough times like this? How do we process this internally without becoming bitter and paralyzed or isolated? How do we hold to the joy of being a Christian when we are confronted with such misery and evil? With reference to matters the cause of which we can explain and in some cases cannot explain difficulties that are all around us. How do we survive tough times? I have six answers. Now I know when preachers say they've got something that numbers up to six, people begin to look at their clock. But this will take no longer than the usual time frame for a Sunday evening. I'm going to call this surviving tough times with reference to primarily the sin that we see around us in our world that can be so discouraging. But also some of these points will relate to difficulties, the origin of which we may not be able to objectively trace. Surviving tough times, each point taken from Scripture. Number one, restrict your diet of faithless talking heads. In Isaiah chapter 36, this is Isaiah speaking to King Hezekiah and King Hezekiah's officials who were listening to the promoters of fear. They were listening to men and women who exaggerated everything. Doomsday talk. And in Isaiah 37, verse 6, do not be afraid of the words which you have heard. I'll tell you, if you take seriously everything you hear and everything you see on television and everything you read on the internet, it may be hard to sleep at night. Here is a simple principle of how you maintain a peaceful frame of mind. Don't keep listening to bad news and fake news and pessimistic news and exaggerated stuff. If you listen to fear-mongering all day, you may go to bed depressed, and you may lose sight of who's in control. And your spiritual life can get off balance if you keep listening to the faithless talking heads of our time. The TV and Internet news feeds will load your mind with junk and... The devil will then take that junk in your mind and whittle away at your faith and your joy. I'm going to say that again. The TV and internet news feed will load your mind with junk and then the devil will take that junk that you have allowed in your mind and whittle away at your faith and your joy. Sometimes what we need to do, maybe much more than we do now, is turn everything off, shut off the news feed, and be quiet. Pray and read the Bible 
and re-establish our confidence in God who is in control and whose promises are certain. Number two, remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, this may be challenging and convicting, but if you are paralyzed by fear about what's happening here on earth, God didn't do that to you. God doesn't do that. He is the gracious giver of power and love and self-control. It could be put this way. If you think the sky is falling, keep well in mind God has something prepared for his people far above the sky. And remember that he made the sky and it will not fall until he's ready for it to fall. So these are very simple things taught in scripture. Restrict your diet of faithless talking heads. Don't allow all these folks to pile junk upon junk into your head. The devil will use it to whittle away at your faith. And know that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Get out and help folks. That'll help you. It is more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said, quoted in Acts 20 and verse 35. I read one time that fear contributes to something called cocooning. Meaning, when you are afraid, when you are scared, and when your mind is full of junk about doomsday stuff, you may be tempted to stay home and never get out and just be completely self-absorbed in your fear. Get out. Go to work. Help people. Or if you must stay inside, call and email and write cards. Never cut yourself off from people. And the help that you can provide for them and the help they can provide for you. God intended for us to help each other. Fear will have a hard time finding room in your mind and in your schedule and in your life if your life is filled with serving and blessing others. And I'll have more to say about that next Sunday morning. Number four. The testing of our faith produces patience. James 1 verse 2. Remember that. When we are tested and targeted and tried and we are exhausted by what we see around us, faith can still grow and sustain us. And in the sustaining power of faith as we go through tough times, patience can be the product of our holding to our faith when all around us there's faithlessness. James is writing this epistle to Jewish Christians who had been driven from their homes and possessions. They were suffering. They were exploited by unbelieving, wealthy, slandering people who endangered good people. But he says, James, consider it pure joy 
whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because we know something. We know that faith, when we hold to it, faith under pressure, but we hold on to it, can still develop. And as it develops, it can fill us with perseverance and patience and stability. Determination to face adversity and discipline in adversity. Those are products of faith. And it gets better with every additional level of faith that we arrive at. Difficulty that we encounter can be encountered. And we can respond properly. The testing of our faith produces patience. Number five. I told you this wouldn't be lengthy. Cast all your care on him. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, it may have become a memory verse for you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I've said to you before that there are many religions which do not affirm the care of their alleged deity. There are many religions which do not affirm or acknowledge the care of their alleged deity or God. Their God must be appeased to avoid threats of punishment. Their God is considered in control. And in many of the ancient pagan religious systems, there's no divine care. There's no love. It is all about appeasing the gods so that threats of punishment do not arrive at your doorstep. But we serve not an imagined deity. We, assert, we serve the creator, the real God, who is the father of Jesus Christ and who tells us over and over that he cares. And he bids us to take our anxiety to him. Take our anxiety to him. Peter uses the word cast. And that carries the idea, first of all, of knowing that we cannot adequately handle our burdens. Can't do it by yourself. And then two, our Father can receive those concerns and act on our behalf. Let me say again. The word cast carries the idea, first of all, that we know we cannot adequately handle our burdens. And then two, to accompany that truth, our Father can receive those concerns. He's listening for us to express those concerns. And then he's willing to act on our behalf. Paul spoke of this in Philippians 4 and verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Psalms 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Make that a memory verse. Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. We are invited and we are exhorted to take our cares, our fears, our worries to God. 
who loves us and cares for us and has the power to act on our behalf. He is in control. And then, see, I told you, you may even get out early. Think about the furtherance of the gospel. Every time we see sin, hear about sin, every time we are discouraged by sin, let us bear in mind there is a remedy. We've accepted that remedy. I want us to consult Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And while you're opening to Philippians 1, let me ask you that if you were in prison, an innocent victim in prison, and the guard comes in and says, you can write a letter, what would that letter say? How about a letter to a good defense attorney saying, Dear attorney, get me out of here. Sign Warren. Or we might write page after page of complaints and ranting and somebody's going to pay for this. You wouldn't believe how bad this is. Well, here's the situation. Paul is imprisoned in a Roman dungeon. And he's an innocent man. And he is allowed to write a letter. And he writes to Christians in Philippi. And he doesn't say, get me out of here. And he doesn't say, send me back a cake with a file in it. No. Paul's subject from prison to the church at Philippi is joy. The joy that the Ethiopian man had once he obeyed the gospel we talked about today. This is a letter where Paul says rejoice in the Lord over and over again. He doesn't complain, express bitterness, or recommend a protest march to the prison. Apostles' lives matter. He says, don't worry about me. Because I'm preaching the gospel where I am. I'm preaching to the people around me. And I want you to devote yourselves to the furtherance of the gospel. Don't sit around and wring your hands and worry about Brother Paul's over in that dungeon. Get out and preach the gospel. I want you to listen to some of this in Philippians 1 beginning at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but, other, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, 
I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He doesn't say, you wouldn't believe what I have to eat every day. You wouldn't believe the conditions in this dungeon. He says none of that. How did Paul survive such hardship and the disappointment and the stress of being a victim of persecution? He preached the gospel and told others that's what they needed to be doing. All these sources of distress around us, the sin in all the forms that we never expected, the chaos that may impact our personal lives, we should stop and remember the gospel is the solution. We can never suspend delivering that message. Let's preach the gospel. Don't stop because things are bad. Preach it more. On Facebook, one of my favorite posters is a gospel preacher named Doy Moyer. And he put this on Facebook a few days ago from Psalm 107, verse 2. He said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And to that, Brother Moyer added this commentary. All of the issues raised recently both in the world and among God's people reminds us how pervasive and horrible the problem of sin really is. They remind us that there are moral absolutes that we've fallen short of God's glory and that we all desperately need God. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I'd love to get up here tonight or any Sunday night and say to you, well, folks, I'm happy to announce that tough times are over. There will be no more problems to solve from now on, no more trials to navigate, no more sickness to endure, no more bad people doing bad things. I'll never get to preach that sermon unless I'm asked to preach when we get to heaven. Choose faith over fear. See what God has done for us in the past and let us rise to the challenge of being what God wants us to be no matter the cost, the consequences, or the storms because with God and with our active faith in Christ we can navigate through those storms. Let's be standing while we sing.